You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. It was still imprinted upon them. But when you create a home where there's peace and there's self-control and they don't have to see mom or dad losing Mm. it, um, you are creating a gift for future generations. I would just encourage, seek help, bring it into the light. Do not let shame tell you that nothing can be done and that your family or your story is already ruined because you struggle, because that's not true. Amen. But I want to address my sin and be honest about it. Lay it bare, bring it to the light. That's how you're going to put these things to death. Not by hiding them and avoiding them, but bringing them out and saying, let's be done with them. Yeah. This is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my incredibly gifted, talented, fantastic, godly co-hosts. First, Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How you doing tonight, Cassie? I'm doing great. You know what? I've just thought about how we're towards the end of the season. Yes. And you guys have hosted me for every episode. Wow. Thank you for your hospitality. You're welcome. Well, you are known for your hospitality. But you got to walk through our kind of messy home no, with its dishes and blankets. Well, but I just appreciate you hosting me. Well, we love having I you. I know here. it's been at a cost to your your kids sometimes, and it's been a great season. Your, your dining room table. <laughs> this is our. Do you guys realize this is our last normal episode of the season? Next week we'll have our live show playing for the listeners, and the week after that our live Q and A. But here we go, guys, closing oh, out. I didn't season know that. Five. Yeah. This is this That's is a big it. deal. This yeah. is a big deal. The voice mm. you're hearing there is my wife, Chelsea Griffin. How you doing tonight, Chelsea? Oh, I'm doing good. Good. I'm happy to be here. You should be happy to be here. This is great work, and yeah. you're so good at it. Oh, thanks, babe. That's sweet. I mean it. Look at him go. Well, just trying to be an encourager. You are say honest, sincere, genuine things. Do we have any? Up. Do we have any reviewers that are encouraging? I could bring out a review, but I didn't have one prepared. So. Oh. <laughs> Here, let me say that one that I was going to go put. About oh, you. yeah. What would you say if you were reviewing the podcast off the cuff? What would you put? As a dad, I'm so inspired by Adam Griffin. <laughs> he encourages me to try hard at stuff. Try hard. Wow, at you're so good. Is That's that good? exactly how a dad would write it. Yeah, too. yeah, That's yeah. Exactly yeah. it. Like I can't tell. Anything about it, but I bet he smells manly. Yeah. And uh, one of those little ladies always talking about books like Little Women. But when, <laughs> but when <laughs> Pastor Adam talks, I listen. Stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. That is, <laughs> it hurts because of how inaccurate that is. So, no, that's real. No, no. No, people, yeah, so. people are always telling me stuff like that. They email me. Oh they yeah, email me. They, you get the you get the love letters. <laughs> I've never been contacted in one in one way, shape, or form about this podcast. Well, that's for the best. <laughs> that's because there's no way to contact you. I know. That's and not, I guess they get linked. That's not true. Me. People talk to you about our podcast. I mean, like like hate mail or like. You want uh, some hate mail? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> okay, good. No, yeah, I'm pretty fragile. I'll have my kids cut out alphabet letters from the magazines and put one together <laughs> for No, I've always wanted though. a stalker, but I want it to be like kind of a, like an affirming type deal. Oh, oh okay. I can do that. You're so great. Yeah, like a fangirl. Oh, man. Okay, we'll see if we can get you some fangirls. No, I'm good. We're okay, good. We're good. good. I'm playing. Okay, good. All right, well, tonight's episode, we're talking about? Have some self-control. Oh, Jesse. yes, some <laughs> self-control. I'd ask all those potential stalkers out there, have some self-control. Please don't stalk my wife. <laughs> we don't need that. Oh, man. All right, self-control, guys. Fruit of the Spirit. The last one on the list of Fruit of the Spirit. 
It's like almost like the the tag, like Paul was like, what else does this appear? Oh yeah, self-control. I think it could be most important. Uh, I agree. I think it sticks out on the list. We can talk about that as we get into it. I think you yeah. go through that whole list, you're like, oh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Those are sweet. And self-control. <laughs> it does feel like the only one we might not need in heaven. Yeah, maybe. You know, like it kind of feels like everything else we'll, prob- we'll have up there. Yeah. Well, why We're is it? Here. What, what do you, how do you define self-control? What do you think about? I think that self-control is just not doing what you want to do oh. when you know it's bad for you. When you know it's bad for you. Yeah. So self-control is the ability, would you say? Yeah. To not do what you desire to do if what you desire to do yeah. is not good for there, you. D- there definitely has to be an understanding. Like you have to have been taught or understand that something's bad for you. Gotcha. In order to even have the opportunity to have self-control. So but it's yeah. rooted in a morality for you of like right yes. and wrong. When you want to do wrong, you don't have to do wrong. That's but, self-control. Or just like facts. It doesn't have to be morality. It can be like, hey, four brownies isn't good for you. Mm. That's just science, right? I don't know that that's morality. I yeah. don't know. I could no, be wrong. No, this is good because Chelsea, <laughs> you love food examples of self-control. Am I right? Oh, this um, is, a, I forgot about this. This is one of Chelsea's soapbox issues is when we talk self-control to kids, uh-huh. it's always about donuts People, and cookies. Always. Yeah. Like I swear there are a lot of children in the church who, if they're exposed to enough of those examples, they're going to be convinced that, that sin is just mostly an eating problem. Right? I think a lot of times people are scared to use real examples of real sin with children. And so they'll like, Adam and I have just, we've heard so many talks given to kids. That's so funny. About self-control or temptation. And yeah. it, have you ever seen that video where they put like a, oh, marshmallows yes. the marshmallows the in the plate. And they're like, they'll it's, reward you if you don't eat and one. And they time them. They say but like, they video them. Yeah, they video them, but say like, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Don't eat those. And like, they see I'm that kid doesn't. that smells it and then licks it, but puts it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> It's messed up. <laughs> and it helps they didn't get um, caught. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree, though, that that self-control can be applied in a way that could be seen as, like, morally indifferent. Right. Or, like, sometimes what people will, will call it, like, a victimless crime almost, although we know that's not really a, a real thing, I don't right. think. But, yep. yeah, self con- self-control can be applied in matters of wisdom. Yes. Right? Like, it... it you need self-control to not call in sick to work every day because if you do, you'll lose your job. And if you don't have a job, then you won't be able to provide for yourself. So, And you're probably lying if you're calling in sick to work every day. Well, some I mean, jobs you don't need an excuse. Oh. You just don't show up. You just don't. You just say, I'm not coming to work today. No, yeah. Like, as a nurse, you, you can call in to work. You don't have to be sick. You just say, I'm calling in. Oh. Well, same thing with being a teacher, right? You just say... You don't have to have a reason. Yeah. you don't. Yeah. yeah. I think it's your employers aren't allowed to ask, like, what's your, what's your okay. problem? Okay. I'll let my employer know. (laughs) The church is different. Out of my business. The church is different. (laughs) But back to back to self control. Sorry, you're fine. Yeah. So in some matters of self control, it's it's a wisdom type thing, and that is where we think about eating and exercising and Mm -hmm. working and those things. Stewardship. But another part of self control, like you mentioned, has to foundationally have an awareness that I am a sinner. And so we're, we're, this is a hard concept for anyone who's teaching their children. Like people are all good and we're all good. And I don't know how they reconcile when they see their three-year-old bite, hit, steal, lie, stuff like that. That must be really hard to handle Mm -hmm. and navigate. But the idea that Christians are teaching their children is, is that we are broken. We are going to want to do things 
that hurt other people, that can even harm ourselves, and that dishonor God. We're going to want to do those things. And some of those things are going to feel and be rewarding, Mm -hmm. and we are still called to forego it. Right. His ways are higher than ours. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The way I now I don't know if this answers kind of what you said earlier, Cassie, about whether or not this is the fruit of the spirit that we will not have in heaven. She said we won't need it. Won't need it. Yeah. We need it here, so he gives it to us here. Right. When I think about self-control, one of the things that comes to mind for me, I I I agree with everything you guys have said, but I also think self-control is like this emancipating fruit of the spirit. Mm It is rooted in a freedom from sin as my master. Yeah. And in that sense, that is eternal. Like even that. in heaven, sin will still not be my master, nor will my that. sinful desires. And so self-control sounds like, I think if you if you don't think about it rightly, self-control sounds like now I am my master. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Self-control is the idea that only God is my master. I have forsaken sin as my master. That's why what I desire in my sinful heart, I do not have to give into. Why? Because sin is no longer my master. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I have been emancipated from my former enslaver, the devil, evil, sin. And therefore, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. I am not a slave to sin. Yeah. I'm here for this. This is becoming my favorite episode. Oh, okay. Because of the... I mean, the we pro- could tank it from here, but I'm really <laughs> I'm hopeful. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I often refer to self-control as the emancipating fruit of the Spirit. I love that. Like, what a gift that while there's goodness, there's kindness, there's joy, there's peace, there's love, there's also freedom from sin as your master. That's like way better marketing for self-control than don't eat the fourth brownie. Yeah. I'm a, well, honestly, if, real, we were like, gonna, if we were going to explain it to kids, and it maybe if you guys are a kids minister, which I know we have a lot of church workers listen, and you've given that, I don't want you to feel bad. You've given a self-control talk about things you eat. But understand that when we're talking about temptations and we're talking about sin as your master, a better example might be something along the lines of what kids actually struggle with, which is when your parents ask you not to do something and you really want to to do yeah. it. Or when you want to steal something, you want to lie about something, and there's a desire to, there even seems like a reward mm. if you were to do it, then what you are doing is obeying a master, or at least attempting, mm. or you are being tempted to obey a master that does not have your best interest in That's mind. Good. And so the examples that come to mind, I hope, are myriad when it mm. comes to thinking about what could I replace mm-hmm. kind of the temptation to eat. Now, if you do want to talk about a temptation to eat something you shouldn't, then go to the Garden of Eden yeah. and talk about how there was something very simple God said not to do. And their temptation was, well, if it's going to be good and it's going to make me like God, then I'll do it. Yeah, I will replace him with me. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah, But there aren't a lot of other examples in the Bible of dieting as a version no. of self-control. You know, uh, we can get to scripture here in a little bit. Where is self-control a struggle for you guys when you think about uh, this concept of not giving in to what you maybe sinfully desire to do? Maybe it has less to do with my own self-control, but I think expecting, I'm not great at the instruction piece of this. I will just somehow magically expect my kids to have self-control or to do something that I've never really instructed or trained or taught them. And Eric is really helpful about pointing this out in me. You know, I'll have like an expectation. It might be spoken. Mm-hmm. You know, I might say but it's not it or whatever. Trained. Yes. And he's like, Wait, have you taught them how to do that? Mm. Mm. I'm like, well, that takes time and energy. Can't they just <laughs> do what I want them to do? 
but it's just a good reminder of like the self-control that we want our kids to walk in. Like that, that understanding first has to come. And so I think rather than, I just want to get to the result of them being, you know, walking in self-control and training them in that. And then also trusting that that'll be something that as they grow in faith, that that will be born of the spirit in them. But I mean, sometimes our dog has better (laughs) self-control. So yeah. What were you going to say, Chelsea? Oh, I think about words um, Mm. and the control of the tongue. I I think as we grow in Christ, there is kind of like you talk the the freedom to say like I'm not a slave. There's so many things that are just like really easy for some of us to shake bondage from. Right? Like you're going. I I just I'm not going to find myself um, up in the club, um, (laughs) getting drunk or you know stuff like that. Whereas like this is not a struggle. Praise God. I've grown from this, that, and the other. And what I continue to find that is so difficult, especially because it can't be taken back. And there's no way to just say, I just won't talk anymore. Um, so that means it, it's possible for things to come out of my mouth that don't honor God, that mm. don't honor my neighbor, that aren't encouraging and building up for everyone who hears. And yet it still happens. Then I feel a little shame. Then I have to remind myself that's not from the Lord. Mm. It, it's just such a process. Yeah. Um uh, sometimes it feels like it's, you know, never going to get better. I know eventually the Lord will take all of that from me, but I still want to be growing in grace all the time yeah. with what comes out of my mouth. Um, but that's that's what feels really hard for me yeah. to make it perfect, mm. you know. I feel like I associate the word a lot with discipline in my life yeah, and where I struggle with a lack of discipline. Mm. then I feel similar, like that cycle of like shame. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, Woe is me. We talked about shame earlier and we've talked about guilt before as well. Mm. But I think where I struggle with uh, self-control is in areas where I lack discipline, be that spiritual disciplines. Like I should have spent time with the the Lord today one-on-one, but I went, you know what? I did sermon study today and that's that's probably good enough. Or I should have spent 20 minutes with my kids, but I was tired. And so I spent 10 minutes with them. Or I should have talked to my kid about his day, but I went, I bet it was fine. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things there where I cut a corner or forsake an opportunity. And I think in that I say, sin, you can still be my master, or I will still be my master instead of the Lord being my master. One of the other things that comes to mind for me, I don't know if you guys ever heard this quote from Jackie Hill Perry. I've used this a lot. But when she talked about, uh, you know, she she's written some great books about her own biography and her background with same-sex attraction. And she said, so many Christians assumed that when I became a believer, that I was given the gift of heterosexuality. Mm. She said, that is not a fruit of the Spirit. What I was given was the gift of self-control, which is that just because I desired something does not mean that it was my identity or it was my master. And I love that that picture of going something that our culture would say, no, this is who you are. This is so critical to understanding your identity, your sexual preference. Your, and she goes, no, 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 no. The gift I've received is self-control. You can't mm. tell me who I am. Sin doesn't get to tell me who I am. The world doesn't get to tell me who I am. God defines who I am. And I want that in my life in every area yeah. where it's not, I feel like I, you know, I have a version of this that I call out in the world all the time, which is when my heart wants something, I find a reason to excuse it or justify it so I can have it or pursue it. And sometimes that's laziness and inaction. And sometimes that's an object. It's having something or sometimes it's just getting my way. And self-control as a fruit of the Spirit, if I didn't struggle with it, it would look like, hey, I'm okay if I don't get my way, if my way was not going to honor the Lord. And I struggle there. 
Mm. Yeah. Hey, friends, it's March, and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrim's Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards. What about where you guys feel like it's going well? Where do you feel like there's discipline in your life where you are controlled, where temptation is not ruling or getting its way? How does that look in your house? Uh, I think our time in the Word. I think uh, God's just really been faithful and He's kind to draw us to His Word. And that's definitely a discipline and something that it took time to build up, build towards and to see the fruit of. And, um, and you know, we definitely notice... we definitely feel when it's lacking, which is also a grace of the Lord, you know, that he would draw us back to it. And so I know that that requires self-control for us to individually and personally be in scripture and then also lead our kids there. So yeah, I think that's been a really, a big grace from God. How about yeah. you, Chels? I don't know the right word for it, but I, I feel like God's given me a lot of contentment with what I have. And so where our world has a lot of materialism um, I feel like the Lord has just been so gracious to always mm. just remind me that all this stuff is going to burn. Yeah. Mm. And so, again, no judgment here for anybody who needs a new kitchen or a really expensive purse or whatever they need. But I, I just, I feel grateful. I know that that's not me being better than anyone. Right. But I feel like the Lord has has loosened the grip that anything could have on me. Mm. That there's not an item or a way our house could look or cars or things like that that... Make, would make me feel like that will be enough or I need to have that. And when you see people who are in bondage to things like that, it's such a sweet reminder from the Lord mm. that He is enough and and He's giving us enough. And um, so I'm really grateful for that. 
Yeah. You know, Chelsea and I have talked to many couples through premarital counseling, and we've talked to couples that are struggling who are married. And I think one of the things that has been a recurring theme is in marriages where yelling is normal and name-calling is normal, there's an assumption that it's normal for everyone. And I'm really glad that in our home, there may have been temptations in Chelsea's heart to say something mean to me or about me. That has never happened. Mm. Uh, we've, you know, we dedicated ourselves early in our marriage to say, you're not going to catch me saying something rude about you to somebody else when you're not mm. listening or when you're not around. I'm going to speak well of you to others. And we're not going to raise our voices to one another and we're not going to name call. And I can't think of, it's not like a constant temptation, like, oh, I just want to call you a name right now. And the part of that is what's beautiful that the Lord has done in our marriage, in our house. And I think that certainly applies to our kids as well. And mm. while there are a lot of homes that raise their voices towards their children, yell to get their way, belittle or name call out of anger, that is not something that is common in our household. That's and true. And so I'm grateful that there is self-control there. Mm-hmm. That, oh, I'm so grateful. You said that when we were dating one time, and I think it was because... Someone you knew was in a tumultuous relationship so because it felt like it came out of the blue and you were just like, hey, let's just never do that. Let's just never yell at each other. Mm. And it's surprising how much it's come up for us in, in counseling opportunities with Christian couples, whether it's premarital or they're already married. But yeah, like Adam said, where they're like, well, no, everyone does that. And we can testify that by the grace of God, yeah. mm, you can say, not us. Yeah. You can say, we don't do that anymore. And mm-hmm. you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean there aren't hard times. It does not mean that we don't have disagreements. It doesn't mean that we don't hurt each other's feelings. But we do not have a household that like if someone was sitting on our front porch and we didn't know they were there, that we'd be embarrassed <laughs> about the way they heard us talking to one another. Yeah, praise God. Or that our kids would uh, you know, have to report, hey, my dad, who's the pastor, you need to know he belittles us mm. or tears us down when people aren't around. That that's just break not the my case. Heart. Yeah. yeah. And that's not, again, it feels boastful. It's not boastful. We're just talking about where the Lord has given us emancipation from yeah, something right. that maybe would be a temptation. Yeah. And yeah. you get to model the better way for your kids. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah. We yeah, we don't have anything to brag somehow. about. We just say, like, the, through the Lord, all things are yeah. possible. So yeah. He can create a marriage where no one's yelling. He can He can create relationships between brothers and sisters, children, where there's respect and kindness. He can do Amen. that. He can do anything. Mm. It's been shocking to me how many couples we've had to talk back from from name-calling each other. And say, well, those names are out there. You can never take that back. But let's never say that again. Name-calling, you would think that's something you got to warn a child against. It's also something we got to warn spouses against. Well, when they've, if that's what's been modeled for them, mm-hmm. yeah. it comes back to that foundation. Yeah. So they've been given a foundation, whether it be in their own homes or through media or whatever. Right. The biggest, it's like, this is the norm. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's, a, and it's a, a weapon that's readily available that's going to be effective. And mm. it's certainly true towards your children as well. If oh, you name-call yeah. your children in order to shame them, belittle them, punish them, Gosh, that is going to scar and wound. And certainly there's repentance and repair that can be done. But I would just encourage people, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Seek the Lord for self-control to say, when I'm even in my anger, Lord, mm. if I let me not sin, right? Isn't that scriptural? In yeah, your anger, do well, yeah. not sin. And then James talks about the tongue. and Yeah. yeah. But when, when you live that way and when you disciple your kids that way, what you're doing is you are blessing your children, but you are also giving a generational gift. Mm. Amen. And what I mean by that is like when we do premarital counseling, the biggest thing that we're always working through is family of origin. 
Yep. What has been so ingrained to someone as normal or what they've seen the most of, even if they knew it was abnormal or they knew it wasn't okay, it was still imprinted upon them. But when you create a home where there's peace and there's self-control and they don't have to see mom or dad losing mm. it, um, you are creating a gift for future generations yep. to pass down from one generation to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We have a, such a struggle in our culture with like overlooking a wrong where like if you've been wronged, it seems like justification to to lash out. Mm-hmm. But what we see in Christ is something so different. When the woman is caught in adultery and he says, the one who's without sin can throw the first stone. And he's sitting there as one without sin. Yeah. It's he him. Could, he, he could throw it. He could yeah. throw the stone. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. doesn't. And he says, neither do I condemn you. You go. But he also says, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. Like, let's mm-hmm. change. Right. He doesn't say, that's okay. That's your identity or that, you no. know, you, you couldn't help it. He says, go sin no more. He doesn't say adultery is not that big a deal. I don't know why they're upset. He just says, no, like, go sin no more. But neither do I condemn you. He doesn't take the opportunity to get vengeance. He doesn't say, well, I was in the right. You were in the wrong, you know, and so there's that temptation there that we need to say, like, hey, sin is not my master. Speaking of scripture, let's turn the corner towards that. What does the word of God Mm -hmm. say about self-control that sticks out to you? What comes to mind? What verses? What narratives? Well, I think we actually mentioned this a few episodes ago, but talking about James 1, anyone who needs wisdom can find it. We can ask and God will answer. And so he doesn't withhold that from us. So where we need to know what it looks like to live in God's world, in God's ways for his purposes, he will He will show us that. And so talking about self-control often being a, sometimes it's uh, explicit in scripture, what's right and wrong. But right. sometimes it's these gray areas and where we need wisdom for how to grow in self-control, he'll, he'll give it to us. And so starting from a place of understanding and then kind of growing from there. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Yeah, I think First uh, Corinthians chapter six says, "All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things good. are lawful mm. for me, but I will not be dominated by anything." That's good. good, and that is such a good word. Oftentimes in the church, we comfort people in their sin struggles with besetting long-term sins, and I hear this all the time. Where we, where we kind of comfort or console by saying, you know, you may always struggle with this. You may never have freedom from this, but like, you know, keep kind of carry on, endure and have patience and perseverance, but not as much confidence in the fact that God could break this chain completely. Right. Yeah. That you are not a slave to sin. Romans 6 is so clear about this. He says, count yourselves dead to sin, mm-hmm. alive to Christ. Sin is not your master. And so this could be eliminated from your life. Um, and to look to God, the one who is omnipotent. Right. He is all powerful. He can do it. So it's like we talked about, it's not something we see in ourselves say, oh, look, I conquered this and I conquered that. No, it's just that God is gracious and he put the spirit within us and he gives us the gift of self-control to not be mastered by something. Great. Yeah, one of the verses that talks about self-control very overtly is Proverbs 25, 28, that a man without self-control is like a city that was broken into and left without walls. And the context there is a city that doesn't have walls is a dangerous place to be. And so a person that doesn't have self-control is like a person uh, speeding without a seatbelt on. You know, whatever you want to draw the conclusion to, like in a modern day, it's riding a bicycle in traffic without a helmet. It's saying if you're going through life and sin is your master or you have no discipline, that is so dangerous. Yeah. It's so dangerous because you will choose things for you that are going to be destructive. It's Mm -hmm. so dangerous. That's why one of the other things that comes to mind for me when it talks about self-control is uh, Christ being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. 
And so when he's tempted by Satan, every time he responds with scripture from the book of Deuteronomy, like a redeemed version of the people of Israel who in the wilderness grumbled and sought their own desires. They said, we'd rather be slaves. We'd rather go back. And here's Jesus who's hungry and he's being asked, hey, wouldn't you, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? And he says, no, I, man does not live by bread alone, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's that's where I'm going to find my rest. Yeah. Where where uh, he's tempted by Satan in the sense of saying, what if you just worshiped me and I gave you what you're aiming for? You could have the whole world. You just got to worship me. And he, of course, it doesn't give into temptation for a second. And we see in Christ a person, 100% human, who is in total self-control. Mm. His desires are perfectly aligned with the Father. He says, the Father's will and my will are one, and that's what I want. And that's one of the things we pray for in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. I want that in my life. I want His will to be my Mm -hmm. will. One of the things I look forward to most in glory is that my desires will be redeemed, right? That it will be so great to walk in perfection and go, everything I desire Mm -hmm. is good now. Whereas on earth, I have to constantly question, is this desire godly? Is this good? That that will not be the case anymore. Because while in this world... In Christ, sin is no longer my master. Sin is still something that torments me. Sin is still something that oppresses me. So I have to wonder, is this still sin in my life? But I already have a version of redeemed desires. That's the gift of self-control that says, I am given a set of desires that are godly. And where that is true, and where the Spirit has made that clear, I can pursue that. And I don't have to worry about the danger of that. No, I'm pursuing God. Mm. And therefore, it's not like a city with broken down walls. It's like a fortress. It's like being put on a high place, the psalmist would say over and over again, where nothing can touch me. And that's what's so beautiful about the emancipating Mm. gift of self-control. The sin is not my master. Okay, so uh, to conclude with a little so what here. If a parent comes to you and they're struggling and they're just saying, I have been giving into temptation in my household, or I have kids that just have... Uh, they have ungodly desires. They are pursuing and indulging. Mm. What advice would you give them? What wisdom would you have to offer? Well, first, I would like to just encourage our like listeners that if they're struggling with sin, temptation, or self control, that as someone who has experienced a lot of freedom this year, even like I've been talking about from her own anger, I've just encouraged them to like bring that into the light. Into I think that one of the tools of the enemy is there being so much shame around whether it's even just what you're tempted towards, it feels like embarrassing. I remember having conversations, I mean, years ago when Lolly was first born and feeling like so embarrassed Mm. by my own temptation towards anger and towards just feelings of despair and all the things and and the freedom that just came from bringing it to the light and for asking for prayer and help. So all that to say, as beautiful as the Griffin Boys story will be, that they did not grow up in a home where there was shouting and and where anger controlled his parent their parents. Um, I would hope that my girl's story will be so beautiful because they will have seen God's grace change their mother's heart. Mm. And I've never name called or I mean like, but I've definitely used my tone and my volume to try and control my kids' behavior, and and it's been such a sweet gift. So I would just encourage seek help. Bring it into the light. Do not let shame tell you that nothing can be done and that your family or your story is already ruined because you struggle, because that's not true. Amen. The second thing, if your kids are struggling with self-control in any area, don't be surprised. 
They're sinners. Amen. Of course, they're struggling with something. Yeah. They need Christ. They need grace. They need the Holy Spirit. And so I think while you're waiting for that work of salvation and praying for it and leading your kids, um, begin to train them in the ways of the Lord. Proverbs tells us to train up a child in the way he should go. And so even I think that we can get caught in that, like, well, how are we going to train them uh, in disciplines? But if they're not professing faith, we can get kind of caught in that circular argument or something. But God tells us to train them yeah, and to do that work even, and then to trust him with the cha- the heart change. right? And so that takes effort and can feel exhausting, but we, we train our children to have self-control. And so and that's not just with donuts and brownies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in the way that they treat their siblings and the way that they yeah. do their homework and they steward their things. Right. All the areas. So and we can't change their heart, but we can apply such consequences and yes. uh, rewards that help our children realize that God's ways are yes. better, that it help them understand that obedience leads to joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that God is charging us with that responsibility right. to show them, give them real proof yeah. that obeying God is good for you. Yeah. Even, even though we're still promised suffering and some yeah. difficulty, but obedience to God is your benefit yeah. and prove it to your Amen. children. Yeah. Um, and I would echo um, Cassie's sentiments about bringing things into the light. Um, accountability is strangely a helpful thing in self-control. If you think like, well, if I can control myself, why do I need accountability? But accountability helps you grow in self-control to tell a friend, yeah. I want you to text. If you're a stay-at-home mom in frustration, anger, losing your, your temper is an issue. Can you ask a friend? To text you at 10, ask a different friend to text you at noon. Ask another one to text you at 2 and say, text me scripture or ask me how I'm doing. Or I just like, I need a word of encouragement yeah. in the middle of the day. What, what do you need from a friend? Or ask just ask for help. Ask someone to check in on you with that struggle mm. and see how it changes it. See how it lifts the burden. Uh, but I've experienced some really good friends and accountability in my life. And it has just blessed me like crazy. And sometimes they're really firm with me. Um, One time I was told, you know, you have exactly 10 days to find a new counselor and make an appointment. And nice. And they're like, we'll be checking in. I was told one time, if you don't text us by 5 p.m., describing your apology to Adam and his response to you. (laughs) (laughs) This was not from me. I was not. Yeah, it was Adam. It's my accountability partner. They're just laying it on. You know, they're like, we want to hear you have till 5 p.m. today, you know, to have that conversation. And so just, yeah, it still takes faithful steps on your own, but it, it really helps to have a believer saying, encouraging you, saying, don't forget, this is yeah. good for you. This is good for, it's so good for you that I'm going to check in on you and make sure that you did it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Adam? Offer something. Oh, offer some wisdom. <laughs> so I was literally about to read the closing. I was going to just tell. end it right there. It was such a good word, Chelsea. I, I thought that was really wise. I think I love what you were saying, Cassie. Don't be surprised when this is a struggle and we, do, we don't walk in shame. Because mm-hmm. I do think the tendency is, you know, like we've talked about so many times, the, the guilt and shame that lies to us that says things will never change. Chelsea, one thing you said earlier that I want to reiterate, just because you might struggle with something your whole life does not mean that it is predetermined that you definitely will. Yeah. We know so many people who could say pornography is not a struggle for me anymore. So many people that could say lying is not a struggle for me anymore. Mm. So many people that could say yelling is not a struggle for me anymore. In other words, that there's a former struggle that the Lord has now given them yeah. freedom from. Yeah. And so there is a possibility, whether it's an addiction or whether it's a behavior, 
that the Lord can redeem those things. And so start praying and asking mm-hmm. Him that He would, and in faith believe that it is possible. I think of how Paul said, there's a lot of things that I want to do, and the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Things I yeah. want to do, I don't do. And that's that is such a word to every human being, yeah. to go, that is probably going to always be the case, but that's not doom for you. Yeah. Otherwise, there wouldn't be this gift of this, this fruit of the Spirit self-control. Yeah. It would just say, and there's going to be sin, and you're going to always, like, you'll never get over whatever it is. No, Paul even says to some people, hey, formally, you are like a lot of these people who don't follow God, but you're not like that anymore. Mm. There are some things that are in your past now, and what we want to do is keep stacking things in our past that aren't part of our present, aren't part of our future, and we want that to be, like you said, a generational freedom. I don't want my kids, I want my struggles to die with me. Yeah. So that my kids don't have to live a version of them themselves. Mm. And that doesn't mean I hide them. It means I address them. Mm, and yeah, so I want to address that with, I love what you said, accountability, address them with the word. I want to address them with a pastor, yeah. but I want to address my sin and be honest about it. Lay it bare, bring it to the light. That's how you're going to put these things to death. It's okay. not by hiding them and avoiding them, but by bringing them out and saying, let's be done with them. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you listeners, and we will share with you our live episode next week.